Welcome to Doug and Joe Talk. I'm Doug. And I'm Joe. There's a cigar in our hands. Yeah. A nice one, too. I, mm-hmm. I, I had, The band is gone. The wind took it. But Yeah, it was a pretty band. It was good market. It was marketing. a really pretty band. Yeah, it was, which, which sort of matters, you know. It catches your eye in a cigar shop or whatever. Um, it's a dandy cigar. I like it when we're not in a hurry and we, we can give it five to ten minutes before we turn on the podcast. I think that's always a better better way to start. And so it's nice and toasted up and lit and going well. I got about an inch of ash already, but why don't you tell them the... Uh... So, yeah, I guess I can tell them. Uh, what we got is a nice, pretty dark brown cigar. It's the Christophe Ligero Maduro. And uh, this was... This was in our original sampler or not in our original mm-hmm. sampler? Okay, so this the was last. still a, the last cigar in our original Kristoff uh, sampler that we've been smoking through. And so far, i got to say, it's pretty high on the list as far as the Kristoffs go. It's off to a nice start. So, um, it's, um, it's a Maduro, so it's dark. It would, it's given us the typical sweet, earthy that you would expect out of a Maduro. Um... I always assume a blend, a Dominican company is going to have a lot of Dominican tobacco in it, which it does, and it's going to be a little sweeter than, you know, not that dark, earthy, sometimes dirty Nicaraguan flavor. It's a question of whether there is Nicaraguan in, in it or not. That, that was not clear online. Uh, it's either Dominican and Nicaraguan or Dominican and Honduran, the filler. I'm not sure. But the binder, and I don't know why this matters, I'll just, I'll read the details here, because there's something interesting about the binder, but it says that this uh, Christophe Lajero Maduro boasts a dark, oily, and super thick Brazilian wrapper, which I never think about the thickness of the wrapper, but it does seem to be hefty. Yeah. You know, you just look at it and you feel it, it feels thick, and uh, beneath it then is a full-flavored Cuban seed mixture of Dominican and Nicaraguan, question mark, maybe, <laughs> long fillers, secured with a feisty, ooh, feisty, that's a, that's, a, that's a good adjective. Feisty Cuban Seed Dominican binder from the Cibao Valley. So if anyone... Cibao or Cibao? I don't know. It's C-I-B-A-O. So if you're, if you're Lat, Latinx, it's Cibao. 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 I don't know. Anyway, if anyone knows what Cibao Valley, why that's significant, make a comment. So and teach us something. I don't know. Apparently it's some it's significant or they wouldn't print it there. But... Uh, so uh, I think people like to know about origins, you know. I in the, from the coffee world, I like I like to know where the coffee comes from, and if you can get specific about that, it's even more fun, kind of. And I don't I don't want to get too sidetracked, but what what matters more, where the coffee comes from or how it's roasted? If you had to prioritize. Oh man. Well, there's degrees of that, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, because how it's roasted is a pretty broad spectrum. So I mean, <laughs> you know, you could you could. I mean, you could take bad coffee. Yeah, probably how it's roasted. Okay. If you had to had take to pick both one. to it. If you wanted to put some parameters on that, then I could... Well, all other things considered equal. Yeah. Is the roasting going to make the biggest yeah. difference than the origin? I thought that's the case, but anyway, we won't get sidetracked on coffee. And I do want to mention that this says, and again, I'm not sure that this is why this matters, but because it's the first time I've seen it, this receives extensive post-roll aging. So apparently they roll these cigars and then age them. I know tobacco's aged before they roll it, but it's interesting that they put that in the printed information. Yeah, it's interesting. So we're babbling a little bit right off the bat about this, which is fine. What are we getting for flavor notes? Well, I noticed sweetness and oiliness right off the bat with the first light. The 
spicy too. There's a little bit of pepper or some spice. I don't know how to classify it. Put some burn there, and uh, it's it's just really nice and sweet. It almost reminds me like the foot smoke almost reminds me of pipe tobacco. Interesting. Okay. What do you got? It does have a real mellowness to it, and um, and there is a yeah, there is kind of a a softness to the tobacco that makes me think I'm, I might agree with your pipe tobacco. I didn't get much spicy. I even retrohaled a little. And I wasn't getting too much tingle up in my nose, but that might just be a difference at the start. Um, but definitely sweet earthiness, right? What I would expect from a good Maduro. Um, I just ate some spicy food too, so I wonder if that has a has a difference. Like if my mouth is could, could inflamed and sensitive. I don't know. Little, little, anyway, little, little piece of Asian pepper might have just popped out of your tooth, and you thought it was a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? No. Okay. Anyway. Not nearly that nice of spicy food. Anyway. Uh, well, I'm gonna stop there. Um, it's really good. It feels great on the lips. The oil is just feels good mouthfeel. But we'll get back to it in a few minutes. Um, but we got stuff to talk about, and there's at least three people out there that are itching to hear what we have to say. <laughs> Waiting with bated breath. Right. As far as we know, the lowest produced, least listened to podcast in America. Yeah, and I mean, especially for as long as we've been doing it. But That's it's right. Good. We're, we're going on. We're, this is the second year. I don't know if we've completed 24 months yet. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't think so. I don't think we have. But it's a beautiful day. We should at least say something about that. Oh, yeah. It's a gorgeous day. We're outside today. A little yeah. breezy, but it's 70s, isn't it? Like mid-70s? Uh, I don't... My thermometer was between 60 and 70, okay. so it didn't say 70 yet, but it's then? feeling like it might get close. Yeah. I think if the sun was back out, it would be, but yeah. it's kind of clouded over yeah. now. Uh, so, gorgeous day. You can probably hear the birds singing in the background. And um, I'll put it through a wind filter. Hopefully you won't hear much of the wind. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> So, well, the world is moving like it always does. Mm-hmm. Um, you got anything you want to jump into right away? or? Well, I mean, just first on our list, I think it's probably a, probably the most historic news event yeah. for a long time, and that is the catastrophic fire at Notre Dame Cathedral. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny when you have, anytime you have something as significant as that. Now, the thing stood for how... When was it built? Like 600 or something? I mean, it's it's been it's yeah. been standing forever. It took a couple hundred years to build the thing. It's a, it's a Christian landmark for sure, and it's pretty much utterly destroyed. And so, anytime you have something of that magnitude or that significance that ha- happens, it's always interesting, I think, to hear how people respond to it and some of the chatter that we're hearing. Was it terrorism? To was it construction? Was it was it a quote-unquote accident because the thing was going to fall down anyway and they needed money to rebuild it? Um, I've heard so many different theories and and things that it's just interesting what comes out of people when something that... And it is significant. I mean, it, I mean, for something like that to go... And it's not going away, but... That's a, that's a, just a crazily significant thing. I was actually working in the courthouse on Monday and an old guy came in and said, Did you hear Notre Dame burned down? What? Yeah, burned down to the ground, he said. Yeah. And, and uh, no, I hadn't. I mean, it's kind of like 9-11 in that regard. Well, I'll always remember where I was and what I was doing when I heard that it, that it burned. So, Yeah, it, it's a pretty big deal. And when they start saying, you know, they're going to they're gonna repair it. So, you know, okay, it's not gone. But then they're like, they're saying they, they think structurally it's okay, but they're not sure. So they've got to, they've got to, that's sounds like the big issue they got to make sure like it's worth repairing it's not just going to fall in so it was significant 
and just such a such a historic landmark. Yeah. You know, um, really, really in a in a symbol of Western civilization, um, which which might want might make me want to talk about something. But before I talk about it, I actually heard some interesting news clips, which was wouldn't have mattered. It, like if the news people would have just let the person they were interviewing talk and said nothing, mm-hmm. it would have just seemed like, oh, okay, it's possible, you know, maybe, maybe something bad, maybe, maybe it was terrorism that caused it, or, you know, maybe there's been some other church issues in, in France and in Europe, uh, you know, no big deal. But it became a big deal because I heard multiple news anchors interviewing someone, and as soon as they would say, well, there's been all these church attacks, they'd be like, oh, no, no, can't talk, no, no, you can't, we can't confirm that, we're talking about Notre Dame. They'd be like, but wait, there's been, no, no, we can't, we're talking about Notre Dame. It's like, why are you, it's like they're trying to protect somebody, like protect a narrative. Yeah, and 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 see, that's, yeah, I look for clues (laughs) anytime, and, and that's, to me, that's clues of something, and whether it's just a great um, I mean, because there's no question, if we're talking about terrorism, we're talking about Muslim extremists doing something like this. There's no, and there's like this great giant hush-hush um, about that. Like, they're, they're not allowed to talk about Islamic terrorism. They're not they allowed, being the media. Yeah, or just, yeah. I mean, mainstream whatever you want to call it. Um, not allowed to talk about it. And I don't like that. I think if we're going to talk about stuff, we should be able to talk about it and not have to walk on eggshells. And, I mean, to me, it's a clue that could lead to an opinion. If they're not letting anybody talk about it, there has to be a reason they're not letting anybody talk about it, which means there has to be intelligence or something, I, to me. But the other thing is, like, I heard uh, even, even Rush Limbaugh yesterday was talking about this fact that there's been, like, 1,200 attacks on churches in France alone. Mm-hmm. And that's just one country. And so to just outright from the onset not even hear any ideas about, hey, is this in, is this one of them? That's foolish to me. I mean, uh, we should yeah, be able and to ha- talk about it. And in the last year, have we heard about any attacks on a church in any of the American media? I haven't anywhere. And I, I tend to follow, you know, generally political media, some mainstream stuff, but it's like nothing. Right. Zero. 1,200. Yeah. In France, so there's been 1,200 that we've heard nothing about. Yeah. yeah. So so that's, that's kind of a big deal. And yeah. honestly, I wonder sometimes if they're not that smart, because again, if they would have just let it slide, I would have not- I would have noticed nothing. Right. Yeah. You know, and, but they didn't. They're like all these all these clips of these people saying, "Whoa, hold yeah. it, don't, don't talk about that." Well, and statistically, I, I'm just going to throw this in the mix. I don't know if it's particularly applicable, but it's something good to know. And that is that how many attacks have there how many attacks have there been by non-Muslims on Muslim places or structures or facilities or whatever? You've heard about a couple, but there's been very, very few, considering how many there's been. I mean, compared to the number of attacks on Christian institutions, so it's it's pretty lopsided, and we're not supposed to talk about it. But guess what? We have our own show, and we yeah, can talk about we can talk about what we want. So it's, you know, it's worst thing that can happen is they'll deplatform us, and three of our listeners won't get our podcast. <laughs> can hand it to them. On a tape we, we could. <laughs> Mark, here's a podcast. We got deplatformed. Cassette, cassette, cassette. Cassette. Do people know what a cassette is? Oh gosh. Anyway, that's its own problem. It is, yeah. So, but, but yeah. So that's kind of a. That's just. So, 
So is there a bigger meaning to this whole thing? I like symbolism. So, I mean, I'm not sure that God had to allow Notre Dame to catch fire to send a, a symbolic message, but it does seem to be a symbol of the fact that Western civilization by a certain portion of the world is being trampled on, is being horrible. Disassembled? And, yeah, yeah, <laughs> disassembled uh, um, as being horrible and something we should get rid of. And uh, I think it's what's given everybody the freedom they have to complain about Western civilization and say that it needs to be gotten rid of. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. interestingly enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. I was meeting with a group of people yesterday and we were kind of volleying some ideas about this and and kind of ultimately I come to the conclusion, listen, it's a it's a building. Everything's going to burn anyway someday. someday. And I don't put a ton of significance on it except for its historical yeah. significance. I think that's the biggest thing. I think people are going to find symbolism in things if they want to. And I think that, uh, you know, here's the thing. People would like to, I think they would like to wave this event, wave this this uh, this catastrophe as a banner and say, this day is over and Western civilization, yeah. we're, we're post-Western civilization and we're going to move on to this brave new world that they want to make believe is can be a reality but but uh i think that all you have to do to see the real state of things is look at the response from real people all around the world and i think that or no i don't think i've i mean we look at how the donations that have been sent already i've somebody said once somebody said to me yesterday and i don't know if this if this was founded in fact or if they had resources to back this up but they said that they had already raised enough money to rebuild it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me because um, <laughs> that fast. Well, and the thing that I heard, and this is this chapped me a little bit, because someone was like, it might have even been like a Fox News thing right at the very end. They said some people even question whether that money could be spent better elsewhere. Oh, gosh, yeah. You know, and it's just, and and it's like people questioning whether it could be spent elsewhere. Well, how many, what five million or something like that? They said how many more times that is spent on political stuff? I mean, shoot. Sanders, did he raise eight million or somebody else? Didn't somebody already raise more than that in the first week? They're saying they can rebuild it in five, with five million. I thought that's maybe. I thought that's what it was. Maybe I'm. Maybe I I'm, would be surprised if they. Maybe could. I've got it wrong. Five like billion. billion. Maybe it's probably. billion. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm off. I mean, it's Notre Dame Cathedral for Pete's sake. It's not gonna. It took two hundred years to build it. The guy might have had the cold. Five billion. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Billion. Yeah. Is right. that a B or an M? <laughs> anyway. I, so I could be off. But the point is, if you take all of the political money that's raised in the United States just to campaign, even if you lose, yeah. couldn't that money be spent better somewhere else? I mean, yeah, that's just a silly, silly thing to say. People spend it their is. money, should be free to spend their money where they want. It's a totally silly thing to say. Even on raw milk. But, <laughs> hey, if you want to buy drugs, buy drugs. Yeah. Well, There's consequences for everything. There, there is. There's consequences has a result. Those, uh, some of the peripheral things. Well, let's, well, should we have a cigar update and then uh, I guess we're not quite to time. No, yet. we're not quite there yet. Um, what, what, what was I going to say besides the money? There was something else I was going to say. Oh, yeah. How old, how old is the United States? What are we, 225? 230 some years. 225, yeah. 225s where I rounded it off, yeah. the, the guessing. But isn't that, that's like far, like way older than our country. Yeah. Oh, for that's sure. just yeah. insane. I mean, the fact you know, I was born here. I've I've traveled, uh, mm-hmm. probably more than the average person. But 
this is where I live. This is my, and it's, it's only, you know, 230 years old compared to however old. It's like, that's so much older than my own country. It's crazy. I think it was in the 1100s when it was built. Mm -hmm. But I I mean, I I should know this by now with all the media and everything, but I think, yeah, 1100 or something like that. Well, still, it was 800 years old. Right where we're sitting was probably prairie. Probably forest, yeah. Yeah, or forest forest or prairie. when, When that was built. And it's just, it's just insane thinking that, you know. It is. It is totally insane. And I was, uh, I was kind of curious about the relics that were said to be housed there. I don't know how much stock I put in relics at all, but I thought it was interesting. Some of the stories, you know. I guess there's this brave priest firefighter chaplain that rushed in to save the crown of thorns out oh, of Notre really? Dame. There were some others. I, there was a list, I think, posted on Drudge. I didn't read it on which which relics were saved and which weren't. Like the crown of thorns? That's what they say. Yeah. Well, if you can trust that it is the crown of thorns, that would be a pretty big thing mm-hmm. to save, really. Apparently yeah. the nails that were supposed, supposed to be used to crucify Christ were there, uh, among other things, but I don't, I don't put too much stock in that type of thing, but... Didn't if, the ho- if they were real, then that's that's. Didn't the holy blood just dissolve the metal from when they went through his hand so that he didn't know. suffer? <laughs> I, I doubt that. I think the suffering is kind of part of the point. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Oh, conspiracy theories. Yeah. Anyway, so um, we could get into that sometime. Conspiracy theories. That would be fun. Like faith-based conspiracy theories. That might be a fun show. It, it would be. <laughs> so the next time neither one of us have enough time to pay attention to the news, we'll just make it religious conspiracy theories. Things that we think we have heard. Yeah. Oh, um, my. Oh yeah, that'd my. be fun. So, um, well, it's a little early, but I'm happy to do an update because this cigar is shaping up to be really nice. Yeah. And I want to preface it by saying originally... And I think even, I'll let you know when this cigar's done, but I still love the Christoph Criollo Ligero. The mo- it's one of my top three, probably. But when I re-smoked the whole batch before I did this with you, um, the regular Maduro, not the Ligero, was pretty darn good, too. And the Ligero Maduro was pretty good. And that's the one we have right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely living up to what, what I expected. I expected it to be good. And sometimes the Maduros... Because they're earthy, even though they're sweet, they're sweet earthy. They're not baking spice sweet. And so they don't wow me as much. But I guess over the years I've learned that you give me a smooth, oily, earthy cigar, I'm still going to like it even though it's not not hitting me with heavy baking spice. Yeah, I like the sweetness. Just about any way I can get a sweet cigar, I like it. You know, whether it's sweet baking spice or sweet earthy, whatever. This is, this is, I probably, I might lean more toward this type though whatever we're smoking here this earthy sweet you called it yeah well i don't want to assume too much but i I think you lean more towards the earthy sweet i lean more towards the baking spice sweet and that's just one of the things after after a while some of our listeners will get to know yeah (laughs) so well um so what what are we getting do you go first yeah go ahead um because there was one new thing and I'm still not sure because it's it's light, but I think with that with that sweet earth, I think there's a, a a light hint a dark cocoa in there, and I will say cocoa, not chocolate. It's a which is it's hard to distinguish between yeah. dark chocolate and cocoa, mm-hmm. but I would I'm, I'll draw a line and I'll say it's cocoa. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm almost getting a like a cinnamon toast. 
and I am getting a hint of spice now mm-hmm. on my tongue, which I wasn't earlier, so I wanted to say that there is a little. The retrohale is still pretty nice. I'm retrohaling really light, uh-huh. but... Definitely pops the whole thing to life, the retrohale does. It does. It puts this really... It's, it's an interesting... I would almost say a damp wood sweetness up in my nose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, that's a nice, and I mean that in a good way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Somebody could take that a yeah. little bit negative. Yeah. <clears throat> it is pleasant. So. All right. Well, it's burning nice. It's really windy. There might be, I mean, it's burning great. My, my burn's completely straight. Joe's is straight. Pretty straight, yeah. It's a little pointed. I, I wouldn't want to call it an, a bad burn, especially in all this wind. I'm trying to show trying to block the wind for me. I don't know yeah. if the wind's catching yours more than it is mine. A little bit. I'm kind of rotating a little bit yeah. to try to even it out, but I did notice that when my ash fell off, there was a, yeah, a point on there, so that that's probably the wind doing that. I, yeah, my ash fell off too a while back, and that's just wind, so mm-hmm. we, we can't really talk about how long the ash is hanging on today, because it's not going to with the wind. But, um, but great. Loving this. Sweet. <coughs> sweet wood on the aftertaste there too as I'll, I'll close out my comments you have anything else to add nope all right what else is going on in the world columbine throat was kind of mm-hmm. kind of interesting interesting to me because my sister wasn't going to columbine but she would have been oh really except she she dropped out of high school and she knew um a teacher that was there when it happened wow. so you know it was pretty pretty close to her yeah. and um and she was living out there in Denver when it happened, so I well, guess there was this... Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Well, no, you finish what you are saying. Well, the, the the thing was, there's this person mm-hmm. that was obsessed with the shooting, and of course it was the anniversary, and they were concerned that they couldn't find this, like the FBI yeah. or whoever knew that this person was obsessed and knew they'd purchased a gun, and they're like, oh, okay, we're a little concerned. They did their job, the schools closed down, and then... And I think the gun was actually purchased in Colorado. I don't know that the person I know the was from la- there. I think the last time they knew where she was, it was in Colorado. And uh, but apparently, she this person killed herself um, with that gun instead of killing anybody else. I had not heard that. That's that's what I'd heard. Self inflicted self inflicted wow. wound. She was found somewhere, and uh, that was actually a, an update I listened to right before I got here. So I don't know how how recently that's been out in the news. I didn't know that they'd found her. So that's kind of significant I think yeah do they know why she was obsessed with the shooting I mean was she involved or was she, did she know somebody that was there or? they didn't the, I didn't hear details beyond that I was listening to to shorts not, okay. not going into any, any more details and I, and I don't know I mean we might be able to generally s- speculate a little bit and it could be interesting why anybody would be obsessed yeah, with a high school shooting like that kind of that. an interesting thing um but I guess, I think in general, whether it was Columbine or something else, there, there do tend to be people who follow these things. And maybe it's someone that feels some kind of a solidarity with the shooters or something like that. And so they start to... I wouldn't say that because you have solidarity with a shooter, that's going to make you go shoot up something similar yourself. But I suppose if you have some it kind could. of... Yeah, if you have some tie, some connection... Yeah. You know, if the shooters were made fun of and you were made fun of, you know, you can you can see yeah. these connections. Um, and, and honestly, I would say, I think if our culture was in better shape, it wouldn't happen. But because our culture is, you know, leaned heavily yeah. towards relativism, leaned heavily towards 
kids not having dads, not t- teaching right. them, you know, raising well, them right. Yeah, all the ingredients are there. Mm-hmm. And then and then I think there's another thing at play too, and that is this. Okay, so we have a couple more ingredients, and then and then another thought. But oh, another ingredient we have is that we have this sort of neo tribalist typing society too, where everybody wants to label themselves. I'm this kind of person. I'm this kind of personality. I'm such and such, and that's who I am, and that's and that's okay that I am that. That's just what I am, right? And then, so then there's another ingredient, but then also another uh, sort of, I think, factor in our culture is that we are obsessed with crime and criminology, and notice all these true crime stories and true crime dramas, true crime movies, true crime podcasts. So so here we are, we've, we've got a society that has a lot of big holes in it, like you just mentioned, and then you've got people desiring to know who they are, and so they're trying to type themselves, and then we have all these, they can watch, you know, true crime things, and they can follow shootings, and they can follow bad guys doing bad things, and if somebody decides that they're going to identify themselves, oh, I'm this type of person, then they can, they can follow that rabbit hole all the way down, and, and uh, there's not a lot of voices telling them not to, telling them not to. Yeah, it it does seem that like if we can generalize a lot here, yeah, but we're say generalizing. the fact that in our culture we are sort of disallowed from telling anybody that's not a good idea, that's wrong. It's like oh, you can't you can't tell somebody they're wrong. Yeah. Maybe it's wrong for you, but it's not. It's like no, no, it's wrong for everybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> removed virtue as something to be sought and yeah. and. Uh, Again, though, me being an optimist, I think that we're starting to see a swing back. I hope. I think we are. I, I think we are, too. I, I agree with you, and I actually think... So, th- this could take us down an interesting conversation here, I suppose. I do see a swing back the other way. But as a, as a Christian who really values the gospel uh, juxtaposed to moralism... When your culture swings back towards good values and good morals, as a Christian, we still have the same the same battle to say no. Whoa, whoa, wait! You know, and and again, is if you're not a Christian and you don't get this, it's it's okay. But it's not the good morals that save us. I would rather live in a society with good morals that were a bunch of people that were that yeah. didn't love Jesus than a culture that. <laughs> Had horrible morals and you know did love Jesus maybe yeah. I, it's because it's you know that's that's just how the gospel is. If you realize that Christ saves you, it doesn't matter which side of the line you're on. God's you're allowing God to pull you in the right direction. Yeah. Jesus Jesus explains the why. I think you could call the gospel the why, and you could call morality the what, to a certain extent. That's not conclusive, and it's not all encompassing, but. Yeah, I agree with the fact that I would rather live in a, I would rather live in a moral society that didn't love Jesus, if there is such a thing. Yeah. Than, than to live in an amoral, completely amoral society, for sure. Well, and and what's happening in America, which is interesting, because it's like, gosh, I didn't see this happening thirty years ago, and maybe I just wasn't thinking about it, because thirty years ago I probably didn't care as much, but I never thought that the battle would be the leftists saying, oh my gosh, you're horribly immoral for having those beliefs. And as someone on the right saying, 
but these are the right beliefs. It's like they're saying yeah. our beliefs are right. We're saying our beliefs are right. And <clears throat> in fact, I listened to a little Milton Friedman, and I. It's funny because I, I love Milton Friedman, but I've not studied him in depth. And I, I watched a little bit of uh, an old version when he was on uh, it's a public television, uh, Uncommon Knowledge. Mm-hmm. He was on there talking, and he was making moral arguments for all of the, let's say, economic stuff that he was talking about. Okay. He wasn't just saying this is best economically. He was saying this is moral. And it's best economic. It's best economically because it's moral. And I, it's funny that I'd never noticed that before. But it is two opposite sides now in our culture saying yeah. we're moral. The other side saying no, we're moral. And only one side is saying you can't tell me I'm not moral. The other side saying come on, tell me, let's talk about it. The yeah. other side saying up yours, you can't tell me I'm not moral. <laughs> well, and I think that if if we were, if we could take a step back and look numerically at how many people believe which thing I think we'd see that almost it, that it's not ever changed it's just that the voices that are doing the finger the finger pointing <laughs> the, the voices that are doing the finger pointing now are a minority still but they're just a vocal minority and and I think that one of the one of the things that gives me a lot of encouragement is that and I think Trump has opened the door to this is just <clears throat> letting good people talk again yeah giving them their voice back and and uh, that's what gives me great hope we're finding out oh you know what there always were a ton of good moral people it's just that we haven't been loud about it and that that encourages me a lot yeah it does me too and you have to realize you don't have to but it, with the internet facebook just everybody being able to come together online makes i, I mean i don't know 50 years ago if you believe something totally bizarre, you were one person surrounded by nobody that believed like mm-hmm. you. Now, yeah. if there's 10,000 of you in the world that have never seen each other face-to-face, you can come together and form a 10,000-person group online and have a voice, Yeah. no matter what you think. Yep. Um, which is why we're seeing bizarre <laughs> things like, you know... <laughs> Saw something that, that said, "Gee, people, what's he gonna say next?" People, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be careful here. But but people that say, "Well, it's not so bad if you have intimate sexual urges towards children, as long as you don't act on them." Oh gosh, no, no, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's never right. And I, I, this has been probably a year ago. I saw they were some news thing was interviewing a guy saying, "Oh yeah, these these are normal urges, but as long as I don't act upon them, you know, it's perfectly fine." And I'm just like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Ever-present so, danger there. Yeah, and that, that would never happen except maybe there are 10,000 people out of 4.4 trillion that... I think there probably are. Yeah, you know, and it's like you can come together and form a group on the Internet. And uh, I'm going to leave my Islam comments out of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I should I should have scribbled down these numbers. I didn't realize this. The amount of, I want to say this right, because I get Islam and Muslims, I want to say it right. The number of Jews to the number of Muslims in the world, I didn't realize how astronomically different it was. Really? Apparently, like, the number of Muslims is, like, far, 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 far outnumbers the number of Jews. Interesting. Like, in an insane way. Hmm. 
and someone mentioned that the other day, and I'm, I'm going to have to look it up. Maybe I'll look it up before the next I part. think I would believe that. <clears throat> I mean, just geographically, countries yeah. that identify themselves as, as Muslims. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the thing is that it was said in the context of the United Nations being being a garbage organization because you have, I don't know the exact numbers, let's say you have six nations represented that is Muslim leadership, yeah. you only have one nation that's Jewish, and if, if the if the Islam ideal is to kill Jews, then obviously that's going to be a, a right. very slighted, <laughs> you know, you know uh, worldwide organization against Jews, right. and it's just, that's, so that was the context that it was set in, but... Just six, interest the six wolves and a sheep voting on who's for dinner. Yeah, exactly. You, you said it. Thank you for the analogy. That was perfect. Um, I do want to throw out an unofficial sponsor. Sure. Um, and I don't think we've ever used them before. I hope not. But um, I actually want to suck on my cigar a minute. Because <laughs> it started to go out. I was talking a bit. I will say, we do have to watch that. When we get talking, we do have to watch our cigar mm-hmm. sometimes. I kind of pulled back because I was outpacing you by... Oh, shoot, you are. You're half an inch further down. Of course, you've been in the wind a little more. I'm blocking my wind. Anyway, unofficial sponsor, Intelligentsia Coffee, specifically their house blend. Um, My wife got me some just on a whim, and I loved it so much that I've started drinking about a cup a day. It's awesome. I would tell people I'm a tea snob, and I just am learning coffee. But uh, drank some coffee at our local coffee shop learned to like coffee and then she got me this and it's it's the best in my opinion the best coffee I've ever tried and I generally wouldn't like I probably wouldn't have said I'd like a medium roast but it's a medium roast mm-hmm. it's the thing that's uncommon to me instead of being dark and deep like a Maduro cigar it's actually more it's got like a almost a citrusy kind of a, of a yeah. berry fruit back note to it and um, but it's still got the good coffeeness to it and almost like a kind of a maybe a chocolate uh, and back note, still with that citrus, and I'm, I'm just amazed by how it tasted. Makes me wonder where what where the what the origins are, what what they blended together, because you're, it's sounding like you're describing a East African coffee, which are my absolute favorite. Well, I I'll look it up sometime, and I'll yeah, I'd be interested to know what it, it is. Yeah. And, uh, and it might change; their house blend might change from time to time. Well, I can say that the first two bags we got, which were purchased at the same time, the third bag, which I'm drinking through now is slightly different and that what just in life in general i'm really glad i can tell but sometimes i almost wish my palate was less developed because then i would just love the coffee and not think about it yeah but it is fun i love really trying to taste it and say oh no it's a little different i love tasting cigars and wine and other yeah i mean that's and that's a fun that's a fun thing about some of these hobbies if you call them hobbies is that they're small batch so so every every time is going to be a little different, and sometimes you'll just get an outright bad one, you know. Oh, there was some weird defect in there, you know, and that happens, and it's kind of part of the fun of it. You have good ones and you have bad ones, and and uh, well, there's been a couple times I had a cigar that somebody that I trusted said was good, and I bought one and it was horrible. I'm thinking I gotta go back and try it because you know the person that I know liked it. He's not an idiot, you know. It's pro- maybe I just got a bad cigar. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, thank you, Intelligentsia Coffee House Blend. It's really good. That's our unofficial sponsor this week. Awesome. So, um, well, we got a few minutes before an update. Um, uh, oh, so wh- where do you want to go? Well, let's hit this one, and then and then we can go to immigration for a while. Okay. Th- um, 
this is all I heard, and I, I, don't, I don't know the details, but it's interesting to me. I'm, I'm kind of an anti-medical profession thing, and I'm anti, you know, drugs being prescribed for everything instead of just learning to take care of ourselves. So, I, so it piqued my interest when I heard that in um, seven Appalachian states, um, there were 61 doctors that are up for federal charges for over-prescribing opioids. So part of me thinks, well, I'm glad they're being charged, but I'm not sure that's the problem. I mean, there's, a, there's way bigger issues in the medical complex that, you know, and, and in our culture and all kinds of things. But at least something, somebody's saying, whoa, guys, yeah. we got to rein this in. Guys, getting a little crazy here. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I think systemically, it definitely needs reined in. But on the personal level, there needs to be accountability for these doctors. I, I read it. I read or saw. I can't remember because it's been a long time ago. A statistic on how much volume-wise there were opioids going to these Appalachian states, and I don't even know which ones are in your story. Um, but it was. I mean. I guess the crazy part was that the populations of these areas were so small, and yet they were still getting shipped vast, vast quantities of these drugs. And so you know that they weren't just staying there, but that they were, they were being, they had somehow found friend, their drug dealers had found some friendly doctors and they were using them to get their materials and shipping them out everywhere, you know? I mean, and it's a big industry, even locally here. Like uh, for certain pills, you can get you can get eight dollars a pill for some of these opioid drugs. Well, when I was when I was working with teens, one of my kids, that's I believe that's what he was stealing from oh, his yeah. mom, and he was smart enough to like not steal enough that she would know, right. and then she'd just get another prescription, go, and, yeah, and he more. and he'd steal some and go sell them. Mm-hmm. And at, at first, he thought he was smart and he wasn't using them, and then he kind of they kind of got hooked on them because he started yeah, yeah started using them and. He, he had a pretty tough life. He, his it, short story that might be irrelevant to our listeners, but his dad treated him pretty horrible. Uh, in a nutshell, beat him and forced him to drink alcohol mm-hmm. when he was little. Um, but his dad straightened out his life. Oh, wow. And uh, quit, quit drinking and is doing the best he can. Still, it, you know, he's got a job. It's hard for him to get a good job. He's had a rough life. And his son, I'm trying real hard not to say his name. I know him really well. But his son, um, you know, kind of just, just had run-ins with drugs. It's like when he was younger, nobody told him it was wrong. Well, now his dad's probably telling him it's wrong. But he's like, well, you did it. Why can't I do it? You know, kind of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, it's uh, that's, that's life. It is. You know, working with some people that have, have things rough. I like that. I mean, and, and, you know, we're talking about Friedman and stuff, and I didn't, I didn't get through that clip you sent me, by the way. I started in and then got phone calls and everything. Life flooded in. But, but um, it's interesting, you know, I'm glad that we have laws about things like this because there, for, for people who care, there's an avenue for them to do something. And, and maybe that's like being way oversimple and way too pragmatic or whatever, but if you see somebody you love and their life is being consumed by an addiction or something, and it's, if it happens to be illegal, there's some way, at least some way, that you can, you know, try to care for them, and even if that means getting them arrested, it's, it's something, and, I don't know, maybe that, like I said, maybe that's way too simple and pragmatic, but, and, it's and there are addictions that aren't yeah. illegal, sure, and, oh, of course, and we all know about that, and there are things that are completely legal that I'm not sure should be illegal that we still got to be careful with. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But let's do a cigar update, but I want to tell you what I want to come back to. I want to come back to the doctors for a second and mm -hmm. talk about um, just some issues I have about, you know, I'm not sure... I'm not sure that there should be laws restricting what the doctors do, but we'll just we'll just leave it at that, sure. and we'll come back to it, and then I'll unpack it a little more. So, um, so uh, I thought I might have been getting a little breadiness up in my nose when I was mm -hmm. retrohaling, and it's not it's a it's kind of a base bread. It's not the sweet baking spice bread that I like, but like a base bread. So may, earlier when I said a sweet wood. It, it might have just been kind of breadiness up there, mm -hmm. more up there. And, I and see, that's what I, when I said cinnamon toast, that's what I was getting, some, sort of that bread taste. And, and, I got, and I think I might have been a, per, kind of where you are, so. And I think I, and I haven't had much spice, but it, since the very beginning, I've gotten a little, when I said there was no spice, after that, I have gotten a little mm -hmm. spice, so I think I see where you're going. I don't know that, I won't, I'm not going to call it cinnamon yet, I'm not going to agree with you completely. Uh, okay. <laughs> Sometimes so. it's funny what associations, when you taste something, you know, what, what, is, what are you actually tasting and what's just an association with that taste? It kind of muddles together sometimes. Yeah, and that's, that's fine. That's what everybody deals with. And, yep. and I suppose it, it's worth saying, a lot of the stuff that you get, when you're, whether it's a cigar, wine, you know, tea, coffee, um, a lot of the things you're tasting or sensing are subtle and sometimes it's not a taste sometimes you get a sensation up in your nose that's similar to mm -hmm. a sensation you got when you ate banana bread so when you're drinking right. you know you're saying oh yeah so but is it a taste is it a sensation mm -hmm. i know with wine there's a lot of mouthfeel that you think is a taste but you're but it's not really a taste it's a feel right. and so trying to say what that feels like and but um but i'd say that this is a this is a really good Sweet, earthy, and it's light. It's barely sweet, mm -hmm. so I, I don't want to. I want to say I don't want to say that too much, but really nice, earthy, slightly mm -hmm. sweet Maduro, and that little breadiness in my nose. I'm liking it. Nothing's changed. It's oily. I'm getting a little shorter, and I was starting to get a little dirty taste. Mm. Okay, I've really backed off, and that seems to have gotten rid of it. And I don't know if it'll come back, but I'm just kind of nursing it now, and I think it's it's helped sweeten it back up again. Cool. Well, you might have been pulling a little harder than me uh, too. Yeah, I had to have been at some some point. So, all right. So I hope I can put this into words. Sometimes it's challenging to put my brain in words, but on some level, I think that if the medical system, medical bureaucracy, wasn't so intertwined with government, I wish people could see me using my hands. I feel funny when nobody's actually seeing me and I'm talking with my hands. But it, it's so it, the, the medical bureaucracy is so intertwined with government bureaucracy. It's so embedded in culture, government, everything that I would probably concede that it's good that we have laws to rein it in. But I'm not sure that it just shouldn't be untwisted from government and untwisted from our culture. Oh, would really be the thing to do. Get it out of culture. Get it out of bureaucracy. I mean. Why? Why would I? If you work for an employer and you take, to, you have to get three days off. Oh, you need a doctor's excuse. No, I don't. I don't need a doctor's excuse. If you do, if you want to fire me, fire me. I'm either a good employer or I'm not. I don't need a freaking doctor's excuse. That's funny. Yeah, I've, I've never had anybody say I needed a doctor's excuse, but I've always worked kind of weird jobs too. <laughs> well, it it uh. is weird how a lot of mainstream jobs. I bet, I bet kids that I have that are working for a fast food restaurant. 
if they miss more than a certain number of days in a row, it's like, oh, you no, if you're that sick, you have to, you, then you should be going to the doctor. And so there's culture pressure. You should be going to the doctor if you've missed that many days. Yeah. And then it's, you don't know if the kid's honest. So, well, at least the doc, if he goes to the doctor and I can get a legitimate doctor, that says that he really was sick. Yeah. That, it just, that shouldn't be there. You know? Yeah, it's really interesting that, it, and I hope this is, I know this is still relevant. Mm-hmm. I've always been a person with a natural distaste for any type of bureaucracy. And that, I think, I think maybe that was why I really hated high school. And, and, and kind of higher education because the people that were in charge of those things, the people that you had to deal with and, and you know, work with, were experts at bureaucracy. They, I mean, it's like that was, their, that was the environment that they felt safe and good and powerful in was, okay, you need this form and this form and this form, and then we'll do this process, and then it goes before these, this person, and then blah, 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 blah. And there's like a giant invisible map in their mind. of they, know, they can navigate bureaucracy really well. I've always had such a natural distaste for that that I have kind of uh, disadvantaged myself in life because I've just steered way clear of any kind of bureaucracy. If there's going to be any kind of entanglement, I was just going to go my own way and do it my own way. So I've kind of made an intentional decision a couple years ago to, to stop being such a pansy about it and just, like, wrap my mind around a few things and, and play ball, you know? And it's really helped me in a lot of different ways. But So I see it as a, as a necessary evil, kind of, but it's always interesting to me when I run into those types of people still because now I feel like I'm, I've kind of better rounded. And, hey, if I got to – in fact, just yesterday I was at the courthouse and I had to fill out, like, nine pieces of paper, and it was like – in my mind I'm thinking, is this really necessary? But, you know, you just settle into it, you get it done, and you and you do what you got to do. But I've always found it funny when I run into those types of people that almost can't function without it. And, and I think that we're definitely – I think – in fact, I think a lot of what school does isn't, it's not creating well-rounded citizens anymore or educated citizens anymore. It's creating uh, people that can navigate bureaucracy. I, I it's can, like that's their goal. Yeah. I completely agree with you. They're, they're teaching you that the bureaucracy is better, the bureaucracy is normal, and you are safer mm-hmm. and, and best if you just go with it, which I think is completely wrong. Um, but two things I want to say, and, and I'll, I'll make them quick, but I want to talk about the school being public, and I want to go back to Youth for Christ. The the school being public is the big thing. I got in trouble for wearing a hat in school. I had a haircut I didn't like. I wore a hat, and they told me I couldn't wear a hat in school. Well, I really wasn't smart enough at that point, but that, you know, on one hand, if it's the rule, then I got to follow the rule, but on the other hand, that's, that's not what you're teaching. You know, if this is a public school, you're not teaching me that moral value. That's my parents' job to teach me whether to wear a hat in school or not. And honestly, if my dad had been involved in my life, he might have come to school and said, up yours. Send him home for three days if he's breaking the rules if you want to. He'll go home, he'll do his homework, he'll come back to school and he'll still get A's. Screw you. He might have said that because that's the kind of of guy he was. And I'd have been glad if he would have. But it's like, that's not what you're teaching me. Teach me math. Teach me English. Teach me what you need to teach me. Who cares if I wear a hat? Now, on the other hand, I spent 17 years working for a nonprofit who's as the executive director my job and the board's job was to put certain systems in place small level bureaucracy to make sure that our mission moved forward the way it should so it was fun on one hand because I'd say that's stupid we don't need that but I'd also learned that yeah some of these things are just going to guide us and funnel us where we need to go and I don't like it Mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter if I like it 
I'm not going to fight it because it's it's heading us where we need to go. Yeah. So in those 17 years, I changed a lot and I learned a lot. Yeah. I learned probably to hate bureaucracy more, but I understood that there are some things that get us where we're going better. Yeah. And, and, that's and that okay. is just a reality. Yeah, that's just a reality. But but back to the back to what we were talking about. We're getting a little bit short on time, but okay. back to what we were talking about with like detangling life and society from like for example the medical medical and medical slash government complex or whatever. I think that I don't even know how at this stage in the game you could do that except for deregulation and just let sort yeah. of let things let the chips fall where they're gonna fall. And I honestly think we're kind of maybe in some areas, possibly heading down that road. I know some areas seem like it's just getting worse and worse and worse, but we're at such a problem right now with healthcare, um, with people just not, even with the mandated healthcare and all this just crazy stuff, um, it's getting to a breaking point. I think it's coming to a head where, like, this is an unsustainable, unsta- unsustainably complex system that something has got to give because it's just, it's too much. It's, too, it's, it's so counterproductive that we're not even we're not even being able to fulfill our mandate anymore with taking care of people. So I, I don't know how, I mean, if I, I'm, I'm glad it's not up to me, but I think people will take care of people if the government gets out of the way. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, and I've said this before, I think we need to take big steps to deregulate, not just medicine and others, but everything. And then people will start, you know, to, to pick up the pieces and maybe I would be in favor of saying, okay, at least temporarily, maybe we do need to do a little thing there. Yeah. Put a little bit of the bureaucracy back right there just to smooth it out and then pull it back maybe in a couple of years. Be, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I would, I would be more in favor because I think it's better for us all if you just make a big step back yeah. and then if you have to, you know, yeah. <laughs> put a few more it's, things. <laughs> it's hard because yeah. in, because in that process, somewhere along the line, you have to, give people more freedom for abuse which is which is just because people are so, people so, are by nature corrupt and and they're going to if you pull back regulations there are people that are going to take advantage of abusing that pullback but and I would say most of the time it's self abuse though and that's why I'm in favor of freedom because if I decide to spend my money in a big screen TV instead of taking care of my health mm-hmm. my problem mm-hmm. not my neighbors shouldn't have to pay for that um, I was really, I was really surprised to find self abuse is a crime. <laughs> That's insane. It's like a whole other can of worms. But wow. yeah, somebody could be, can be. I don't know if you'd say arrested, but certainly, uh, how should we say it? Have their freedom restricted because, because of self abuse. Yeah. Self abuse. Yeah. That is a, that is a little weird. Um, so it's complex. I don't know. I think we're close enough the end that I should I should at least throw this story out for fun. I always like it when we have a couple minutes before we have to do the cigar wrap. So some dude, guy, 49 years old, goes into a Perkins and something goes wrong and he just starts throwing a fit and he reaches into his shirt, pulls out an iguana. A live iguana. <laughs> and a live iguana and throws it at, like, employees or something. Well, the details I know, and I don't know them all. This is just so hilarious. When I heard it, it's like, i got to talk about this if we have time. 
I know he got charged with disorderly conduct and animal abuse, and somebody took the iguana to a shelter to get checked out and oh, make gosh. sure it's all right. And it's like, I'm like 49. That's close enough to my age to be like, could I just get? And I I know how I get pissed off at things. Could I really get that mad to throw my pet iguana at somebody? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it seems a little insane. At Perkins, though. I don't. Know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I what know. am I expecting at Perkins? I don't know if I could get. That mad at Perkins. It was a high-end restaurant, maybe. <laughs> they didn't treat me right, but not at Perkins. I wish I knew why he got mad. That'd make the yeah. story a little more interesting. I don't know if any more will come out. It was just one of those oh, human gosh. interest stories I just had. To... Yeah, dude. I, I, the, and and the more I do this law enforcement thing, I'm, I'm going to be increasingly surprised. But like, nothing <laughs> is out of the realm of possibility anymore with people. People in their various altered states of consciousness and <laughs> emotional stability. Wow. Yeah, even if they're not taking legal opiates. Uh-huh. So, well... So what are the chances that that iguana is going to get euthanized? I don't know. I say iguana's pretty popular. Like, somebody <laughs> will probably call the shelter and be like, hey, this probably That's already had 20 calls saying, hey, I'll, I'll give probably. the iguana a good home. Probably. Yeah. probably. Dogs, on the other end, there's so many dogs. There just yeah. aren't that many iguanas. Somebody's going to be claiming that. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I just hope his tail didn't break. Said they like swung it around. I wonder if it, he actually didn't throw it, but if like the tail yeah, broke that happens. as he was swinging it. They, I think they break pretty easy. We <laughs> yeah. have it. We had one in in, uh, in our high school science lab, our high school science room. There was an iguana, and I forget what happened, but it got loose one time, and the tail fell off. And got scared. Well, um, how much do you got left? I got about two inches. I'm getting kind of down there. Okay, yeah. my burn got kind of wonky. I think it's the wind, but yeah. well. I, I wanted to echo that for just just one draw, I, I got a dirty. Yep. And I was like, whoa. And I'm like, I didn't say anything. And then it, it went away. Yep. But there was just a... And I don't think I was drawing extra hard. I could have been and wasn't paying attention. I was talking. But this has been really consistent. Um, I would put this up there near... What's that one that you, Mark, and I bought? I didn't. That triple Maduro. Yeah, yeah it, the, it's uh, Camacho. Triple yeah, Maduro. it's it's up there. Yeah, with that that's one. what it's reminding me of. Yeah, and I still haven't smoked that, by the way. We, I haven't either. We should we should all get to if we can. Yeah. We should get together and do it. Yep. But um, but yes. Yeah, so uh, it's in Mark's humidor. Maybe he smoked it. I don't. Know. <laughs> you smoked yours. <laughs> yours yeah, is sneakily. In there you go. Um, well, I don't have anything else to add. I think we covered the flavor profile pretty good. Yeah. It's it's been consistent. It hasn't changed. Um, so let's see what we're supposed to taste. Expect roasted espresso bean, dark cocoa. I said cocoa! Black tobacco, and a long spicy sweetness. I think that kind of nails it, honestly. I think it does. I, I don't think I want to argue with that at all. I think it's funny their nomenclature here a little bit. Roasted espresso bean, because... Well, is an espresso bean always roasted? Yeah, I mean, okay, espresso is a process. Yeah. I mean, uh, whatever. Anyway, we won't pick it up. But <laughs> so, uh, the Lijero Maduro by Christoph Ligero con- <laughs> concludes had to say us going through the sampler. But we there are about I don't know eight or so new Christophs that are out that we're we might throw a couple. We might skip for a couple weeks and then sure. come back to the Kristoffs or something, but we'll, we'll get through the, the newer Kristoffs, too, because I love Kristoff. They, they've been good to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what we had this week. I hope everybody enjoyed what we had to talk about. Comment. Let us know if we got something right or wrong, too, or, or teach us something. 
We'll have to hit the uh, immigration thing again next week. And we will. We missed that. That's, that's, uh, that could be fun to talk about. We'll bring it up next week. Yeah. So um, appreciate you listening to Doug and Joe Talk. Talk to you next time.